Welcome to the podcast of tomorrow. I am Lindsay Wilson. We are a Futurama podcast. We're talking about season two, episode one, I guess. Uh, Flight to remember. We are not clear on the numbering of this situation, but we'll get into it with Alex Coons. Alex has a Hello. Imagine the sigh of relief as people hear Lindsay's introduction as opposed to the raucous, bombastic Jeremy introduction. I think I have a soothing manner. Jeremy, <laughs> well, we didn't know you were here. Is that Jeremy Chisel's music? <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be especially brutal when you're walking around the uh, supermarket and your own voice is playing out of your phone. <laughs> and so loudly. Jeremy, how's it going? Welcome. It, it's it, going. For people listening, it will have been two weeks since I last heard your dulcet tones. Sometimes we like to hypothesize. What do you think will happen in the next two weeks? What do we think is going to happen? So it will have what, been what two weeks since gonna... <laughs> the listeners last heard you. So what do you think will happen to you in the next two weeks? Mm, I think I will, I'm going to get one of those like Victorian illnesses from like, they're re <laughs> renovating my apartment and there's going to be like arsenic in the walls or something. And then my mom is going to like, take me to the beach to get some ocean air to cure me or something like that. And I'm just going to be swooning constantly. And so <laughs> I've only recently recovered after getting, you know, getting some exposure to the sea. Jeremy, I'm pretty sure when this comes out. It will be the week that I will be arriving in town, so oh, let's hope you're recovered enough to hang out. We should record a podcast. Alex, come to New Brunswick. <laughs> I'd love to. Do it right now. Get, <laughs> buy your plane. We could do it. Buy my plane. Yeah, but also, <laughs> we need to find somewhere that has like Wi-Fi, because it's not my place. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I'm also horribly addicted to the internet and won't be and won't be spending $500 on my cell phone bill. Honestly, imagine, Jeremy, if like you, I have never seen your house and then you just host Alex at your house for like a week. <laughs> I let him stay and I don't have a window because they never replaced it in my house. And Alex is just like sleeping by this tarp on my leather couch. I'll bring my sleeping bag. It can like handle cold weather. Yeah, I barely have like a bed. Like I live like Fry. There's an owl stuck in a spider's web, you know, in my apartment. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh my God. Well, all right. So let's assume that everyone is well and healthy and recognize that Alex, you were very close. You said Amelia Earhart. I mean, it's not that close, but it's a historical event. This is the Titanic episode that we talked about several weeks ago, a little bit. Is this a thing that they continue to do? Because I thought that this was like an interesting change of format of like, this is just a parody of something else entirely, which mm -hmm. I think we haven't entirely seen before. Yeah, they definitely do other instances of parodying stuff. And they'll do all those sort of tales of interest episodes, anthology style episodes. I think those sure. tend not to be as strong. And I don't know, I think this one works pretty well. Jeremy, what's your memory of this episode? I, I think of it as a classic episode, but I actually can't think of any moments that are funny. But also, I didn't, yeah. I didn't watch the episode. I'm just here anyway. I don't, I don't, mm -hmm. it's been right. probably years. That's fine. Yeah. We'll help dog your memory. But in my mind, I kind of have the same take where I enjoyed watching this for our recording. But if you had asked me, I think I probably would have said this is not among my favorite episodes. Yeah, I think it's notable in that it's just like something easy to latch onto, mm -hmm. much like a narrative, unlike songs. But like, you know, you can, it's easy to say that the Titanic episode and think about what they're probably yes. doing in that episode without remembering any concrete jokes. And honestly, for the time, this is not that far off from the actual release of Titanic. I mean, already late enough that That's it's true. like a Titanic thing, but like compared to now, it's it's quite close. So That is true. What is Titanic 98? 97. 
97, so two years away. Yeah, so we're only a couple of years out. Yeah, September 1999. But anyway, I guess we were just talking about, I alluded to it at the beginning, we were trying to decide if we were going to consider this end of season episode for season one or the beginning of season two. We've decided it is season two, and we last week presumably talked about an iconic Hugh Jackman project. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, maybe. Or or TBD. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was great. I'm sure Alex tracked it down and we did a really good job recording uh-huh. it. But uh, I definitely followed through with that. <laughs> that is in our future. So yeah, but this episode kicks off. The intro text is just filmed on location. Pretty middle on that one. Yeah, nothing great there. Let me see who I have down for the cartoon. I wrote Space Boy. Yeah, I wrote some weird kid in a space helmet. And Jeremy, we know you didn't watch, so we won't expect you to know this. But uh, if you had to guess about any child in a space helmet, are there any projects you can connect to that is it there is like a little wait wait wait. what kind of space boy does he look like though his head almost entirely fills the helmet okay so it's not like astro boy like who kind of looks like an anime betty boop (laughs) yeah fair no (laughs) definitely not it according to wikipedia this is the episode is called space station from the show clutch cargo which i have literally never heard of clutch cargo clutch cargo (laughs) Yes, it was notable for its limited animation yet imaginative stories, as well as for being the first widely known use of Synchrovox technology. Oh, I I recognize that little guy. Yeah, like a little bit. His young ward spinner and his pet dachshund Paddlefoot. What was with, though, that era and having like really muscular men and like young wards that just live with (laughs) them? That was like Batman, (laughs) that too. And they were just being like at the piano, like really dressed nicely together. In collared shirts, mm-hmm. and he'd be like, "This is my ward." How many? <laughs> yeah, where, 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 did did single men regularly adopt young men? I don't understand. <laughs> I'm trying to look up their viewership because my hypothesis is that like anything in the in the 50s gets like more viewers than you know the biggest show on TV nowadays. Like I bet the the episodes of Clutch Cargo were like the most iconic things airing in the 50s. Nah. Man, Conan O'Brien, of course, loves this. Of course. Of <laughs> it course. It says the legacy of the show is that Conan used to interview a famous newsmaker, quote, via satellite. The newsmaker in question would be seen on a TV monitor predominantly as a stock photo, but the mouth of the photo would be doing the talking. This bit was done periodically throughout the 16-year run of the show. It was colloquially known as a clutch cargo piece. Oh, is that what this is? Where, like, just the mouth moves? Oh! Okay, I get it. Yeah, combine static images with moving images, the most common use of which is to superimpose talking lips on a photograph of a celebrity or cartoon drawing. Okay, we know what this is. Mm. Yeah, all right, good. So Conan helps us once again. Alex, will you move into my apartment and be my ward? (laughs) I don't want to be your ward. I could teach you all the fine things of society. He has a piano. (laughs) I have a grand piano, but not Wi-Fi in my apartment. You imagine. <laughs> I mean, I would watch this sitcom of you as Jeremy's ward, Alex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we could get 52 episodes out of it. And you're like, Jiminy Jellickers, Jeremy, what do we do? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Alex, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it outside yeah. the pod. Like, we'll, he sounds like a hard out. maybe, I think. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm not hearing no. Is, is Lindsay in the show or she's escaped off to the, the West Lindsay, Coast? okay. Well, I'm thinking this is like 60s Batman. So if you're hmm. Robin... Maybe Lindsay's yeah, like no a sultry, that, but... Eartha kit like Catwoman that's always like, <laughs> you're positively perf. I'm often compared to Eartha Kitt. You have mad Eartha Kitt vibes. Hey, sailing unit. Yeah. Man, <laughs> Eartha Kitt's actually an icon. I want to be I evil. I want to be mean. 
Mm-hmm. And she's Yzma mm-hmm. in Emperor's New Groove. Do you did you watch? Yes. That? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh of my gosh. If you can't find the paperback writer or whatever, we can watch Emperor's New Groove <laughs> next week. We can't start the Hugh Jackman podcast with the Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> Okay, Jeremy, you, you you do Eartha Kit Watch, and we'll do uh, Hugh Jack Cast, and the, the first one to get the interview with the uh, with the main person wins. <laughs> You're on, even if that means exhuming the remains of Eartha Kit. <laughs> I was gonna say Eartha Kit yeah. famously dead. No. <laughs> Wikipedia lists her as years active, 1942 to 2008. So I don't know what that means entirely, but yeah, she's making no music. She's active. performing. Wow. It's wild to me that she had a role in The Emperor's New Groove and died in 2008. I was like, when the hell did that movie come out? But apparently released in 2000. Who knew? When did you think it came out, you dolt? I I don't know. I guess it definitely came out when we were in high school. No, I was like... said 2006, probably. No, 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 no. It's like elementary middle. It's like grade five. apparently it came out in 2000. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, that's like a Shrek, like, you know, when postmodern kids thing was like a new idea. Yeah. Jeremy, do you remember when they took us to see Shrek as a school trip? So I didn't go. I was sick. <laughs> do you know why they took you to see Shrek? Why? I, I don't know. I feel like they were just like, oh, this is going to be a moment. Yeah. I mean, they weren't wrong. I don't know why they how they could justify it. They also took us to see Lord of the Rings. Did you go to that one, Jeremy? We saw it. I didn't go to Lord of the Rings either. What about you, Alex? They took us to Harry Potter. Well, there you go. Oh, yeah, and it's a based off a book. Yeah, Shrek, not so much. Shrek was the go-to <laughs> substitute teacher movie, I thought. Like, And Shrek, too, mm. a little bit. Yeah, to a lesser extent. We had a lot of Ferris Bueller. Ferris mm-hmm. Bueller? Are you older than us? He's a year no, younger. No, like high school. Well, yeah. was high school's playing Ferris Bueller. Yeah, it was the cool teachers. I've never seen Ferris Bueller, either. That's shocking. All right, so let's get into the episode. <laughs> no, it's fine. So Fry, Leela, and Bender are all like, we quit because this was the worst delivery ever. I'm never going to another planet called Cannibalon. <laughs> and the professor does this little thing where he's like, oh, well, I guess I'll need to take someone else on vacation then. Fry says he hasn't had time off since he was 21 to 24. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, yes. And it's a pretty good thing here that I enjoyed when they're like, oh, we're going to go on the Titanic. And there's like a dramatic note and everyone just goes, Huh. Looks nice. <laughs> no reaction. <laughs> well, yeah, I do like that, that notion that it's been so so long that no one has that cultural baggage. Yeah, that's, it's, it's pretty good. I like right. Yeah. Very fair. Yes. And so they get there, and of course, that Brannigan is going to be the captain on the ship, and he basically they describe him as like he's the guy who defeated the retiree people of the assisted living nebula. <laughs> I love all his very dubious military honors. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> I thought this was a much stronger Zap episode compared to his introduction. It was so good. Or he's like, ah, shapely, seductive ship. I'm going to fly her brains out. And yeah. then he smashes <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio's head jar instead of a champagne yeah, he christens bottle. it with Leo. <laughs> yeah, so good. Yeah. And yes, so Leela obviously is horrified and she pretends that she is engaged to Fry to make Zap not hit on her. <laughs> Yeah. All so all my notes are about how they really upped the Leela Fry Amy like mm. love triangle like actual plot here and I was like, "Oh, it's because it's season 2. They're like investing in like these story arcs." But I guess that was just totally wrong. <laughs> well, I don't know because like on the DVDs it's still I guess season 1. I don't know. That's all nonsense. Yeah. 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 But yes, so initially, let me see. Yes. Okay. So Bender is going to go gamble a bunch his cheating unit malfunctions jeremy this line i think is pretty good where he's like i, do, I need a do-over my cheating unit malfunction and he's like i'm sorry the house limit is three do-overs <laughs> i also just am a sucker for whenever he says a whatever unit sailing unit 
cheating mm-hmm. unit. Mm-hmm. That yes. activates my hilarity unit. Like I yes. like all the unit related humor. <laughs> yes, it's very good. And I also liked Bender being like, Papa needs a new pair of feet. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Uh, Jeremy, are you big? Are you a big gambler? We're in the casino here. Oh, Bender, yes, are you? oh yeah, Alex. I I've been known to go to Casino New Brunswick. Play the. Mm-hmm. I I bet on the ponies. The penny slots. The penny slots. You know, I actually started. Oh, I was trying to motivate my staff by getting them to like bet on the manager's performance. I thought they would find oh. that very like enjoyable to like kind of ridicule us and bet on us and demean us. But then it turned really intense. And then mm. the staff started like trying to affect the outcome by like being mean to some of the leaders. And like I I one of the women I work with cried because the staff was putting so oh, much no. pressure on her because they had bet on her. And then I'm like, all right, we're pulling the plug on the gambling. <laughs> it's all over. Shut it down. Yeah. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah. And I like photoshopped my head on like Muhammad Ali and then I photoshopped Megan's on like George Foreman. And then, you know, and I build it as this big... Who could have seen this going wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Alex, to your point about this being a good zap episode, I do really like all of this stuff where he's like, Oh, I understand it's supposed to be a leisure cruise, but like that's not the way I'm gonna do it. And I love this line of like by jackknifing between the comments at breakneck speed, we might get some kind of gravity boost or something. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just completely making it up. Doesn't even know the advantage that he's getting out of it. Jackknifing is a very funny word. I don't know why I liked it so much. <laughs> I knew exactly what you were going to say. The phrasing is impeccable. Yes, impeccable. So good. And so Amy's parents get introduced here. This is very problematic. Yeah, not great. Just Asian parents that want Amy to have grandchildren are always like scolding and getting on Amy's case. I also cringe with this. And then I don't know what you thought of La Barbara too, but like leaning into... Hermes limbo being his like number one personality trait. I didn't find that to be as bad. It's like he's great yeah, at limbo same. and he like really cares a lot about it. I was like, that's fine. I think it helps that he has personality traits aside from exactly. that. we establish him as like he is a stickler, he's a stickler yeah. and he has the he chews himself out and he's like really uptight. But then also mm-hmm. he's he, you know, he like really likes yeah. limbo. Yeah. I, I agree completely. But yeah, so I don't know. I think that that kind of works. But then I was thinking about it too. Where So like, I think it's a huge problem, all the content that they have for Amy's parents. But then I'm also thinking like, obviously, we have talked a lot in the Simpsons podcast about the voice actors that they have. Like, I am positive all of these are being done by white right. people it, doing very bad, right. cringy accents. Yeah. And if you just picture them recording that, it's exactly. like, this is not, this is not good. <laughs> Do you think they're going to get like canceled or anything if they bring back some of these characters? They might change the voices, right? Like... Mm. Yeah. Just update people, hopefully. It is interesting to think about the show coming back Mm -hmm. now, especially because there are also, like, other space animated comedies with, like, the Orville. I guess that's not animated, but, like, there are other things that are, like, kind of within this this space of sci-fi comedy. Yeah. Yeah, and this certainly has its problems along the way that we will touch on as we get to those episodes. Oh, the gender politics are are rough. Yes, gender politics are very rough, so we will get there for sure. And uh, yeah, so let's just like, we'll put a pin in Amy's parents for now because they will appear lots more. And obviously the voice stuff, not great, the accent stuff, and the fact that they're just constantly like, we just want a grandchild. And, you know, anyway. So at the same time, Amy is 
again, her parents wanted to have a baby. So she is also going to pretend that she is dating Fry to shut up her parents. And then Fry is now trapped in this complicated thing where two women are pretending to be with him. Amy like kisses him and she's actually kissing him and Fry instantly is just excellent and just goes for it. <laughs> I do like that he makes the, the distinction of like his me is his fake relationship with Leela is way more meaningful than his fake relationship with Leela. Yes. Yeah. Right. Alex Coons, exactly. have you ever had a charade of a relationship, a fake relationship? This could be awkward if you're in one currently. I No, in a real relationship. Wow. Um, what a flex. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, no, like... No, like fake relationships. Have you? How about you, Jeremy? I don't know if it counts as fake. It's more like they initiated it, and I just didn't want to say no, and I kept it going for years, and I just never felt anything for them. <laughs> oh no! But I was very nice. Like I treated them as if I did love them. So I don't think this counts because they thought it was real. <laughs> yeah, but that's almost more mean. I mean, is it mean if they never find out? Uh, I guess not. I, how did how did it end? they were not good people so they were really mean to me and i would just keep turning the other cheek yeah yeah i probably wouldn't feel too torn up about about any of that then no (laughs) it honestly felt like the fraud was more of a defense than anything yeah it felt yeah yeah but yeah i've uh, no don't worry i've had real relationships since i think probably the closest one for me and this is not a this was not a fake relationship but more of a hidden relationship was I taught at a boarding school for one year and another with another one of the teachers it was like oh are we like allowed to be dating are we uh, you know uh, should we tell our co-workers or other friends at the boarding school all that kind of stuff and I remember there was it was at a boarding school so we all lived there but we lived on different parts of campus essentially and there were security guards on campus and I remember one night I was walking to her place the security guard was like down the path like in their little golf cart and I was walking along and he like shined his lights on me and for a split second I thought like should I dive into the bushes (laughs) (laughs) and then I thought like no I'm like an adult I'm allowed to be on campus walking around like even if there is some issue with me going over to my secret girlfriend's place even if there is some issue he wouldn't even know that and so I decided to hold my ground and just very confidently walk past the security guard who like <laughs> shined the bright lights on me. Wow. <laughs> Dive into the bushes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, that was like my first instinct of like, Oh shit, I'm like doing like, I'm trying to be sneaky here and someone's seen me. Was so, that like, uh... the appeal? Was it that it was forbidden boarding school love? Mm, salacious. Um, yeah, there was, that was probably some of it. Also like only a handful of people of, you know, there's like 10 teachers my age at the boarding school. And so, you know, <laughs> it's just going to happen. Slim pickings. <laughs> well, proximity yeah. and uh, yeah, I think that's a lot of love. availability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of the Melhouse theory of attraction. It's geographical convenience. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair. Lindsay, how about you? No, my relationships tend to be just extremely long. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You were totally out on, wait, can I name it? I feel like you were like, while you were dating this person, it was extremely chaste. And I think, like, I don't even know if it would count as a relationship so much as she was bowing to the wishes of of a small town community. But now she's at big cities like Vancouver and Ottawa and Toronto. And she's just like, I don't care what those hayseeds think. I'm Lindsay Wilson, damn it. Famously, still far too beholden to the concerns of others, but... (laughs) <laughs> yes anyway alex to your point about the fry leela amy stuff this is the first moment that we get leela being pretty jealous yeah she's not happy with fry kissing amy and i think like kind of rightfully so i mean it is a little bit insulting for him to be like instantly very into making out with amy even though he's saying that 
the Leela fake relationship is better. He's not like interested in her that way. It's like a little bit rude. Well, I don't know because I, I think Leela's being like, don't touch me. And she smacks him when he tries to put his arm around her and stuff. And then it's like, oh, Amy's actually going to be into me. So I kind of yeah. see it. Yeah, that's fair. This relationship will be explored in much greater detail in episodes to come. So, yes. All right. So this is where Bender meets the Countess de la Rosa or something. Yes. Probably the most direct uh, Titanic subplot where this is just Jack and Kate. Isn't it Rose? Because... Sorry. Yeah. Not Kate Kate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy, yeah. did you see Titanic like in... The, probably not in theaters, but like within a close amount of time? No, I've actually never seen Titanic. What? Why would I? It's surprising. It's like Why four hours you? long. It's very long. Like wow. Avatar without all the blue dicks. Shocking stuff. <laughs> Truly shocking. I listened to a podcast recently where someone was talking about talking about Titanic and how it totally holds up and is super good. And it made me really want to watch it again. I listened to you on BoJack talking about, was it BoJack that you were talking about how it still holds up? Probably. Hmm. Something. I feel like I, I have definitely seen the whole thing, but I feel like whenever it's on TV, like 10 years ago or 15 years ago, whenever it was on TV, I would only be interested in like the the last act when it's like an action movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like now I would be much more interested in all of the character stuff in the first two acts. I feel like that movie is responsible for a lot of sexual awakening of young people and particularly of young girls who are very into Leonardo DiCaprio for that whole window of time. And I think a lot of the narrative around that movie is like, oh, it's just like a stupid girl movie at the beginning. And it's like, no, there's just like so much death for the last hour and a half. I I do think the heartthrob thing and how it launched Leonardo DiCaprio's career kind of, it's difficult to, I try to explain to young people recently what young Leo DiCaprio was like because they were Mm -hmm. like, Cause he's not that hot now. Like I'm, you know, he's yeah. a, he's a 40 something year old man. It's fine. And he's a handsome yeah. man. I don't, but I just mean, he's not on any inside the girls lockers at work anymore. And, and I was trying to Who's say, Who's the modern day Leo? I said he was something Timothy? like if Timothy Chalamet and Harry, yes, exactly. and, and Harry Styles had a baby because he's bigger than Chalamet and he's pro, right. but maybe Harry Styles is the closest fame wise. But whereas, like, if there's a Harry Styles magazine cover coming out, women call weeks in advance trying to obtain the magazine cover for their own collection. Wow. Yeah, I think it's like one of the things about Leo at that time in particular is that he was just a very pretty boy. Like, yes. <laughs> oh, the Timothy comparison. Exactly. And that's exactly why I think that it totally holds up because it's like he was so pretty. And one of the things that I remember hearing on this very same podcast was that they were saying that apparently a lot of women who have gone on to develop like queer identities are like, oh, yeah, I was so into Leo. And it's like, oh, this is a very pretty very person. Pretty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah, it was the socially acceptable way to be attracted to a girl without, you know, it's, but the girl had exactly. a penis. So it was like an out like a certain yeah. androgynous look there so well yeah. and and now that discourse has really shifted to the kira knightley orlando bloom thing like in Heartstopper mm. and alice mm. oseman a lot of queer people are like oh like i you know they kira knightley kind of has like this queer status like i don't know what it is. i love I love Kira Knightley. Uh, she was like <laughs> my a huge crush. I, 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 had a, I had a Pirates of the Caribbean two poster in my room. Mm-hmm. Ah. I definitely thought she was the most beautiful woman in the whole world. Like around that time, and like it bended like Beckham. I was like, she's so pretty and perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like Lindsay had an awakening. Yeah, it turns out, but Leo was definitely my guy for a minute there. Oh, and David Beckham. Speaking of bend it like Beckham, I remember Lindsay had such a crush on David Beckham. 
it's why I was initially into that movie. Aww, <laughs> and then it turns out it's just so an incredible cute. film. It's so funny that you had crushes and things like that. Well, um, yeah, I was incredibly <laughs> repressed. I was in an extremely chaste relationship. And then you're just dreaming of David Beckham and furiously writing in your journal with your face all flushed. <laughs> exactly. All right. So Bender meets up with the Countess, as I mentioned previously. And Bender is trying to steal from her, but then decides that he can't. He sees her bracelet and he's like, oh, that bracelet had a diamond the size of a raccoon's brain. But for some reason, I just couldn't steal it. Countess is a bit boring. I wish mm. they did more like, I mean, maybe Rose is boring in Titanic and I don't remember that well, but they had like no good Countess jokes. Yeah, I think Rose initially is kind of boring, but she becomes more fun where she's like dancing with the people in steerage or whatever. But yeah, yeah, none of that really from the Countess. Definitely a little bit boring. And she steps in here once it's revealed that Bender has no money. And she's like, I don't care. I love you anyway. And then they do the naked drawing sequence. Yeah, I thought that was all very cinematic. They do I'm King of the World. They do the naked drawing sequence. They do the the car. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. All of that. And yeah, so this is like our... Titanic parallels. And then at the same time, Hermie is is being encouraged to participate in a limbo competition. And that's where we get the thing where at the 2980 Olympics, Hermes was competing for Earth as like the limbo competitor or whatever. And a child runs out on the field and is like, I'm just like Hermes and breaks his back and dies. <laughs> the, manic, the manic look in the child's eyes as yeah. he's yelling, I'm just like Hermes. So bad. <laughs> <laughs> so then... Sab is supposed to name the winner of the contest. He's like, the terrible burden of naming a limbo contest winner is mine and mine alone. And then he invites <laughs> Fry and Leela to have dinner with him. But Amy and her parents are also invited. So three's company vibes. This is a very <laughs> sitcom-y episode. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. To the point where Fry is like, don't worry, I learned how to navigate social situations <laughs> by watching Three's Company. And then he's like, all right, Fry, what are you going to do? And he goes, come and knock on our door. <laughs> <laughs> Just- no, I forgot about that. That was my favorite joke of the episode, just trying to brainstorm while hum- humming Three's Company. <laughs> He's hoping, like, the answers are in there. Yeah, Mr. Roper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fact that he does it twice, where he, like, sings it and nothing comes to him, and then they're like, fry? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Three's Company was, like, risque. Yes. Did you guys have that? Where it was, like, that was the one Nick at Night show that I don't know if I wasn't allowed to watch, but, like, when it was on, there was definitely some tension. Three's Company? Yeah. Yeah. It's risque. We didn't. I didn't get it at my house because we only had three channels. <laughs> yeah. I watched Eight Simple Rules of Dating My Teenage Daughter mm. starring John Ritter before I saw him on Three's Company. <laughs> Matt, that hilarious. was how Kaylee Cuoco launched her career. Right. There mm-hmm. you go. Lindsay famously a big cuckoo cuckoo head. Cuoco? Cuoco head? Cuoco, yeah. Tig Notaro says that's the most famous person she didn't recognize on her Under a Rock show. Oh, that's right. I mm-hmm. I heard her say that on, on, on Conan's podcast. Let's name other podcasts right. so people yeah. remember like think <laughs> to navigate away from this. Yes, exactly. Last time I talked at great length about my dad wrote a porno, so it's fine. Yes. So then Zap gets pulled away, and so only Amy's parents are left to impress, and so Fry kisses Amy instead of Leela. And this is where we find out that... Zap's plan is, quote, more suicidal than initially thought. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, steering towards a blackish, holish thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, and then they're hitting various comets and stuff, and then they start steering toward the black hole. And at this moment, this is where Leela is increasingly jealous, and she's just like, well, like, obviously you're going to be with Amy because you both have two eyes. And Brad goes, I know, (laughs) we seem like a perfect match. (laughs) She has two eyes, you have two eyes. Yep, yeah, and then they see a pretty nebula. And this is meant to like, like you know, plant the seed that like Leela actually does have some like feelings that she's unwilling to acknowledge about Fry. This is the first episode where this ever 
comes into play, and yeah, mm-hmm. it seems totally fueled by jealousy. Mm. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, you could easily make the argument, if this episode stood on its own, I wouldn't think, oh, Leela's into Fry, but given what we're going to see, maybe mm-hmm. this is what uh, this is what started it. And so the proximity of the black hole, the ship starts breaking apart just as Fry and Leela were about to kiss, and then everyone has to try to run off, but Bender is going to go save the Countess, and he's like, don't tell anyone, like, tell them I was robbing an old rich guy or something. <laughs> yes. Zap puts Kiff in command and escapes himself, but a big promotion for Kiff. Yes, indeed. And I, I think one of my favorite lines, aside from the, like, come and knock on her door, I did really like when, so Bender goes down to save the Countess, and the room starts filling up with water, and then and they're like, ah! And then they're just like, well, what do we do now? And then he goes, aren't you a member of the Yacht Club? And she says, that's right, I'm a class three yacht. And then they just <laughs> Yeah, I really like that, too. <laughs> yeah, I remember panic, like, feeling that tension of the water filling and then being like oh yeah they're robots yeah Mm -hmm. i was gonna say the exact same thing they do a good job of like making it it seem very dire you realize the water is flooding in you think what's gonna happen and then they just stand underwater and be like oh we're fine now yeah yeah and so as everyone else is trying to escape there is like an airlock door closing and zoidberg is able to hold it slightly open and hermes overcomes his trauma from the olympics and makes it underneath and he says it's like for that little kid or whatever who's limboing up in heaven (laughs) right now and he's just been wearing his earth uniform under his clothes this whole time just like rips (laughs) off his clothes and it's just underneath (laughs) nice i guess it is nice to have hermes actually do something i mean he's been so underutilized in every other episode Yes. And so as they get out there, they meet Amy's parents and they're like, don't worry, we found you a new boyfriend. He's a ship captain. And this is the launch of Kiff and Amy. Whoa. Yeah, I wonder if they if this was like planned or if they just like had this one joke and then thought to come back to it later. But... Well, I'm glad you asked, Alex. This is in the oh. wiki and I have it jotted down here. This episode features the beginning of the relationship between Kiff Kirker and Amy Wong. The relationship was originally meant to be a one off joke, but the writers found it to be convenient and used it in later episodes. Nice. Love that. Love when we have the research right in front of us. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, so they wait for Bender, but they're like, well, we're going to have to go. And they get out just in time. And Bender and the Countess are hanging off of the ship and they're pulling it into the black hole. And the Countess has to let herself go in order to save everyone else. Yes. Tragic romances always have a happy ending. Bender can't believe that, that, that this one doesn't have a happy ending. Yes. A good line from Amy here where they're like, we're two metric tons overweight. And Amy just goes, well, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> and they try to make a good line here, which I did kind of enjoy from the Countess where she's like, one day you'll share your love again. After all, it's shareware. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gentle, gentle comedy. And uh, the episode ends with Bender finding out that the bracelet was actually fake all along, so he can't even get money for her sacrifice. (laughs) What an episode. That's not bad. Uh, You know, I think (laughs) better than you remembered. The Titanic thing feels a little tired now. But Mm. when I think like when you think of it as coming two years after the movie there, we wouldn't have been. I also think the Internet has led to, you know, so many parodies and so much referential things that we're a little burnt out on a lot of things that it probably just it probably seemed a bit fresher in 99 or 2000 or whenever that was out. Yeah. I, and I guess it's not hard to call your shot of Titanic being still relevant or like the thing to parody, considering that it was the most popular movie ever. But thank God it was Titanic and not like this could have been like, you know, a Shrek, Shrek parody or some other movie that that came out in the late 90s that like would have no relevance whatsoever. <laughs> Yeah, Titanic, unlike the ship, has, you know, it has some staying power. Endured. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's the episode. And I don't think we have any feedback because we didn't have any before. So why would we now? But if you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach out via email at podoftomorrow at gmail.com or on Twitter at Pod of Tomorrow. Wait, I have some listener mail. Oh my God. What oh, is here it? Here it comes. So this comes from Brent from Wyoming. Brent writes, Lindsay and Alex love the show. If you related to one character from Futurama, who is it and why? I personally relate to Kiff because I'm constantly, you know, I, I, I surround, I find myself around these strong kind of blowhard individuals. And even though I secretly resent them, I would never want to be in control of the situation. So yes, Linz, thank you, Brent, for that wow, listener thank you. email. Thank you, Brent. What do you got for us, Lindsay and Alex? Okay, I think I relate maybe to the professor because I too am a person in STEM and also I refuse to leave the house after I'm already in my pajamas. Oh, wow. And you 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 eat mummies as well. You devour shriveled emperors. What about you, Alex? You have, man, you're a bit, you're definitely the big Z. You're this is Dr. Zoidberg, right? I, I was going to say Zoidberg. Actually, uh, I'm always, pan- I'm, I'm always panicking. I'm always in distress. Never, never confident in my own abilities, Aww, <laughs> but like have, Alex, have some, so, have some, so have yourself. some technical know-how. <laughs> you like <laughs> a mouth, open it and say, ah, uh. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's not a ton of characters that you want to relate to. Like, I mean, Fry is just kind of a bum. That's not a great character to relate to. I guess Hermes is like a stickler. Mm. My Hermes? (laughs) Mm, You got a little Hermes. I could see you being inside your own office with chewing out in progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Bad Mm -hmm. self-talk, Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah. I am realizing, I mean, obviously, thank you to Brent for the feedback, but so I made that up, that I, just so you know, I don't know if you want. I totally lied about that. <laughs> There's no Brent. There's not even a Wyoming. What? It's made up. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, now I feel so foolish. But yes, we never actually shouted out any of the people who gave us the reviews. So I feel like we should do that. Oh, sure. So WH Jester, incredible review here. They Reviewer. mentioned the cameo, which is great. We also got one from, I think it's L-J-I-S-L-1. Mm-hmm. Awesome podcast. Love that. Etrian Adventurer said, shut up and take my love. This is like maybe the nicest review I've ever read. And it's, I think it's from a stranger. Tell us who you are and how you found us. We would love to hear from the you. The listeners who and... do like you actually really like you. I mean... I know. They are small we, but mighty. We got a niche. Yeah. yeah. You're doing something yeah. right here. Yeah. So. Jeremy, have you ever gotten a cameo from someone? Go I for... give cameos as gifts all the time. I'm and and I'll tell you, it works. I like <laughs> oh, yeah. made people weep and like they are like this is a great. <laughs> you got to pick the right one, but uh, I'm mm-hmm. I'm quite good at. So I, you do sincere cameos. Yeah, but see, <laughs> I don't like to use humans as ironic props, Alex. Mm, yeah, so I'm a good I person, see. unlike you. <laughs> You think you're Zoidberg, but you're Bender. You're a sociopath. No. Jeremy really pivots on a dime here where he's like, I'm so sorry, Alex, that you're so insecure. And he's like, anyway, you're a bad person. (laughs) Well, I don't have any consistent core. I just react to whatever I think is funny to say in the moment or just more will cause some disarray or consternation. All right. So that's great. Jeremy, do you have anything you'd like to plug? We didn't let you plug anything last week. Uh, Yeah, I have a podcast called Say Ah, where I give medical (laughs) advice to people. So call in 
You can call in. It's a call-in show and uh, I'll be listening. And uh, yeah, I dabble. I dabble in medicine. I, I I have a homeopath and I sometimes bring him on the show as well. People and... are going to think this is real. <laughs> uh, well, it is real, Lindsay. Maybe if you listen to my podcast, you know about it. It's always, you're always so plugging your little BoJack horse pod. You never like, just like, you don't, you haven't even reviewed Say I yet. I'm going to do it now. I'm doing it now. It's happening. Real. Okay. Jeremy, what's your what's your book of the month? My book of the month is I'm gonna say I want to be a vase, and it's about a plunger that wants to be a vase, and all the other appliances are angry that it, it thinks it can be a vase. But then all the other things in the house, it's all these household objects, start being like, I want to be things too, and then like the mirror is like, I want to be a pillow, a sharp, breakable pillow. So yeah, it's a really weirdly illustrated children's book. I can't remember who wrote it, but I want to be a vase. And you know, it's all about just being who you want to be, even if other people don't think you look the part. That's my book of the month. You can follow me at Long Beautiful Jair on Instagram or, you know, where I give beauty advice. You got the whole network, podcast every day. Uh, you know what? It's true. <laughs> I also have my radio show. Oh my God, make it stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alex, do you have anything to plug? <laughs> I got nothing. Okay, great. Uh, you find me over on BoJack HorsePod or on Posho Recaps talking about what we do in the shadows every single week for the next little while until season four is over. And until then, we will see you. Oh, wait, Alex, hold on. Wait, winners and losers. <laughs> oh, winners. Amy? Amy got into a, a relationship that will continue for at least a little while still. Probably made her parents proud because of that. Escaped the Titanic. Yep. Yeah. I say James Cameron's the big winner of this episode. James Cameron. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Shout out to Avatar 2. And I also have an Avatar podcast coming up called Say Navi. And it's all about, you know, what, what, how exactly does that whole sex thing work with their tendrils, you know? And uh, yeah. Um, Alex, what do you think the next episode is going to be about? It's called Mars University. Mars University. It sounds like they're going to college. I think it's going to be exactly Homer goes to college, but Futurama. It's a pretty good pull. All right. So we will see you next week for season two, episode two, Mars University. Bye, everyone. Bye.